highest of heights to the depths of the sea. Verse 12, he sent and he brought him in, and now he was ruddy, which literally means he was reddish. He had like red hair, we believe, and had a red complexion. He was ruddy. He had bright eyes. He was a good-looking kid. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him. This is the one. And then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers. Can you imagine how infuriating that was? Are you kidding me, David? You're going to anoint this guy? He was like, Nobody. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Today in our study, we learn how God leads Samuel to the next anointed king of Israel. David had a pleasant appearance, but he did not look like Saul. He didn't have the appearance of a leader and a king, and there wouldn't be anyone that would say, there's a born leader, there's a king, like they did for Saul because of his rugged appearance. We don't know how old David was at this time. Historians suggest he was between 10 and 15 years old, but we do know that this is who God picked. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he finalizes chapter 16. David, the only one who wasn't invited. How come all the big shots, his older brothers are all there, but you know, but David, out caring for the sheep, he's not invited. David was so insignificant in his father's sight that he didn't even feel it was necessary to call him to it. And I love that too, because God always seems to choose the remnant. He always seems to choose the thing that the world doesn't want anything to do with. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, it says, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, those God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. David, as this young stripling out in the field, a very hated job. Nobody wanted to do it. That's why he was doing it. All of his brothers are like, you know, that's not important enough for me. I don't want to have anything to do with sheep. David's like, I'll do it. What a great responsibility. As God was shaping this young boy out in the fields. I don't know, I get carried away with this thought, you know, just him... All the time, you know, Saul is ruling and reigning. You know, David is out in the field. He's completely unaware of anything. He's out under the stars at night. He's, he's, he's protecting the sheep from the wolves and the bears and the lions with his staff and his rod. He's going through and he's protecting them, watching over them. And yet nobody really cared about him, but God cared about him. And God saw something in his heart as he was out there alone in the fields at night, or in the daytime, and even into the evening. 
as he was bringing the sheep home, or even staying out there in the, she- in, the, in the fields at night and building a perimeter around them and staying there with his staff and his rod. And we're going to see David, you know, after he is anointed king, he's going to be very quickly hunted by Saul. He's going to endure a lot of suffering, years of suffering, being hunted by Saul, this one who was jealous of him. And it sounds very similar to Jesus. He suffered greatly at the hands of man. In Psalm 78, Asaph, it's a psalm of Asaph, Asaph, uh, Psalm 78, verse 70, it says, He also, speaking of God, he also chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes that had young, that, that had young he brought him, to shepherd his people and Israel his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness, skillfulness of his hands. And you know, we don't always know when we're being prepared, but David, I'm certainly he didn't know as he's out there in the field. He had no idea that God was preparing him to be Israel's first, you know, the best king, really. He had no idea. God was preparing him. And a lot of times we don't even know either when God is preparing us, bringing you through difficulties and hardships, molding and shaping you, and you have no idea that you're being prepared for something, yet in the future you can't see, but God knows. He's molding and shaping your character. I think sometimes the harder things that people have to go through, God has got something for them. It's not always the the fancy things, the things that are easy It's usually the things that are really bringing a depth of character in your life. Those are the things that God is using to build and shape you. Don't be discouraged by that. But David was a shepherd. He would be that man going out into the field. A good shepherd would go out into the field and determine whether the field was good for the sheep to graze in. He would look for to make sure there was plenty of good food, to make sure that there was good, clean, running water nearby, free of parasites and unclean water, just crystal clear water. He would check to see if there's any poisonous weeds or plants or roots because sheep will eat anything. They'll eat anything you stick out there. They'll eat poisonous plants and die. They'll just eat anything. So the shepherd has to go in and check these things before he brings them into an area to see if there's any poisonous plants. He has to be aware of these things. Are there predators nearby? Is the terrain difficult? You know, sheep aren't the most agile creatures. They don't even really have any teeth. they got these funny-looking teeth that they can't really attack anything. I mean, a, a three-year-old boy is, is, is more of a, a, a predator than a sheep. They're completely defenseless. And yet David, I'm certain, as I, as I think about that moment back when we were in Israel, those two teenage brother and sister herding those sheep. It was a bunch of them. And I thought about every little sound they made. Those sheep were uh, privy to it. They were listening. And David knew each one of these sheep by name. He was able to know their temperament. He knew their character. He knew which ones are prone to wander. He knew the ones that would always nip at the other ones. He knew exactly what they were, who they were. Probably had names for each one of them. And he would be responsible for caring for them for their sicknesses, for putting the, the, the salve on their eyes to keep the gnats and stuff and the bugs from getting in their, into their eyes. He would remove those things, the ticks, 
the bugs, the worms, and he'd protect them. And God all the while is saying, that's my man right there. Nobody sees him. He's in secret. Only I see him. He's long away from home, but he's out there taking care of things. I'm shaping his heart. See, that's the kind of person God, he wants to do that in us. He does his best work in secret where nobody can see. He does his best work oftentimes in the crucible of life, the difficulties. Verse 12, he sent and he brought him in, and now he was ruddy, which literally means he was reddish. He had like red hair, we believe, and had a red complexion. He was ruddy. He had bright eyes. He was a good-looking kid. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him. This is the one. And then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers. Can you imagine how infuriating that was? Are you kidding me, David? You're going to anoint this guy? He was like, nobody. Have you seen him pick his nose? He still wets the bed. Him? You're going to choose him? And God says, yeah, I'm choosing that one right there. All you guys are disqualified. I love you, but he's the man. <laughs> so the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. Notice that. Came upon him from that day forward. So Samuel arose and he went to Ramah. I'm sure he wanted to get that done and be obedient to God and then get back home because eventually Saul is going to hear about it and it was going to be... Uh, a difficulty for him. But notice, but the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. Compare this with verse 13. Notice, the, the Spirit of God comes upon David, but the Spirit of God departs from Saul. And not only that, that would be bad enough, but then it says a spirit, an evil spirit, God allowed it, and there's a, there's a lot here we could talk about, but we don't have time. But God, sent, God allowed an evil spirit to come and vex Saul. Because Saul was not a man who was interested in the things of God. He was interested in his own things. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing or an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Very interesting. There was a transfer here. I don't believe that Saul was possessed necessarily by an evil spirit but I believe he was being vexed by an evil spirit. See, a true born-again believer, if you're born again, you cannot be possessed by the devil. You can be messed with, you can be oppressed, you can be um, harassed and opposed and troubled. But if the Spirit of God is in you, there's no way the sp another spirit, an evil spirit, can come in. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you, meaning the Spirit of God, than he that is in the world. Remember, God is on the throne. He, he, he has all power. He has all power. And we're going to see this distressing spirit come on Saul other times in Samuel, in chapter 18, verse 10, chapter 19, verse 9. We're going to see it happening in, uh, in this chapter in verses 14 through 16 and even verse 23. Same kind of thing. And God is in control. I would encourage you to read Matthew chapter 8, verse 28 through 32 talks about God having control over, over demonic spirits even. He would cast them out. He had the power to cast them out and, and actually tell them where to go. They would say to him, are you going to cast us into the abyss? Or are you going to you know, uh, torment us before the time? 
allow us to go into the herd of swine. And Jesus said, okay. Pigs weren't supposed to be there anyway. And the pigs had more sense than human beings. They ran down the herd and perished in the water in Galilee. But demons don't have free reign. They have to ask God. I would encourage you to look at Job chapter 1, verses 6 through 12. Anything that happens to a believer, or not a believer, but anything that actually happens to any of us that is derogatory, they have to ask. They're not just free agents. They can't just mess with you. And God allows certain things to straighten you out, to help you, to get you, get you to look up. I've noticed that in my own life. He never does it to harm you. The devil wants to harm you. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. And God will only allow a certain measure, and it's measured by God. You read Job chapter 1, verses 6 through 12, and God says, you can do this, you can do that, but this you cannot do. Be on your way. See, God knows the end of it. He knew Job's heart. He knew what Job would do. It's an unfair advantage that God has, and I love that about him, because he knew Job wouldn't curse him to his face. Job would hang in there. He would struggle, but in the end, God would give him double what he lost. You can look at that. But nobody tempts God, and God doesn't tempt anyone else. So the servants, Saul's servants, said to him, Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. And let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player on the harp. And it shall be that he will play with his hand when the distressing spirit from God is upon you, and you shall be well. And you know, godly worship music is something the devil hates. He hates worship. He himself wants to be worshipped. That was his whole problem because the Bible says in uh, Ezekiel 28 that the, the, the pipes and the tabrets and the, the, these things, I mean, there was something about Satan that was very musical, and it's no surprise to me. You can read that in Ezekiel 28, by the way. There was something about, he was a music man. He was the one responsible, we believe, to bringing, at one point, bringing the worship of all of creation before God. And then he said, you know what? And God gave him the ability to choose of what he was going to do. And he says, you know what? I'm tired of bringing worship to you. I want that worship. I want to be the guy with the electric guitar and the stack of Marshall lamps behind me. I want to be Jimmy Page. I want to be Eddie Van Halen. I want the adoration. I want the worship. And that was where his problem was. But it's interesting that David was a very skillful player on the, on the, on the harp. Or it was a, a lyre, actually, a, a, a guitar-like instrument. And he was able to play. Because he was led by the Spirit of God, the demons just couldn't. They they left Saul. And Saul really enjoyed that. But the devil hates it. He hates worship music. And he hates it when you worship God. How important is music? It can be used for good or ill. It can be used for the devil or it can be used for God. What are you listening to? What's the type of music you listen to? Does it glorify God or does it glorify the flesh? Does it glorify sex? Does it glorify just whatever, booze, drugs, pickup trucks, dogs, shotguns? 
Confederate flag? What is it? What, what is music to you? Is your heart bent on music that is not glorifying Jesus Christ? If it is, you're on a slippery path. Because what you listen to affects you. Did you know that? It does. I used to be into rock and roll before I gave my heart to Christ. I was into everything. And I can tell you that that is the truth. It does. What you listen to eventually takes control of your life. Your mind, your thoughts, so true. Fill your heart with worship music. Let that be the thing. Sanctify what you hear. Sanctify what you see. See, that was David. He knew that. And the benefits of that blessed Saul. So Saul said to his servants, Provide now for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. And then one of his servants, verse 18, answered and said, Look, I've seen a son uh, of Jesse and Beth, the Bethlehemite, who was skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person. And the Lord is with him. And therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. I mean, think about David's out there in the, you know, who knows, maybe he was out there in the field just sitting there with a, you know, next to a rock with his guitar, you know. Trust in the Lord. With all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. You know, when he's out there, and he's just singing to the Lord underneath the stars, and the Lord's just going, oh, David, love you, man. And Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them by his son David to Saul. And so David came to Saul and stood before him, meaning he, he was there before Saul, as, uh, helping him, aiding him. And he loved him greatly, it says. Saul loved David. And isn't that funny? He loved him. But it wouldn't be long, and then he would hate him. He would hate him so vehemently. And notice, and David became his armor-bearer. And then Samuel, or excuse me, I keep confusing Samuel and Saul, and I probably hate to listen to recordings. I'm probably mixing them up all the time. Then Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Please let David stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. He was very useful to him. A man after God's own heart. And so it was, whenever the Spirit from God, and this was the, remember, God is... He has control over all spirits. The angels, the good, and the fallen angels, the ones who followed Satan, Lucifer. He's got control over them. They're not free agents to do as they will. Whenever the Spirit from God was upon Saul, that David would take his harp and he would play it with his hand, and then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. I love that. I love that. You know, what we see in this chapter is just really simple obedience. We see David being an unlikely candidate but God doesn't seek out the, the fancy. He doesn't seek out those who are noble. He takes the things that nobody wants 
Have you ever felt like that? The world doesn't know how to deal with that. I've seen people, and just as an example, I've seen, and actually I know a person, I'm thinking of them right now, very gifted person, never went to college, but very gifted. She could do her job so well and does it really well. She really does a great job. Never spent a day in college, and yet there are people who have gotten their master's degree in that very field that she is in, and they're not like her. They come in with this attitude like, you owe me something and because I've got my fancy degree, and yet she's got a work ethic and a knowledge and an understanding and, and, and experience that just dwarfs them. And yet sometimes the world will choose the degree. And I never figured that out. An office manager will look at this person with all this experience, all this gifting, and look at this fresh one fresh behind the, you know, wet behind the ears out of college who doesn't know anything, who thinks they know everything, and they'll choose that one. Never understood that. But that was David. Nobody cared. He's just out there, forgotten. Have you felt that way? Do you know that God doesn't, that he loves you right where you're at? He doesn't care about your failings. He doesn't care of how gifted you are. He doesn't care what your life has been through. He loves you. He wants you to be a part of his family. Are you willing to be part of his family? Are you willing to love him and be obedient? That's what marked Samuel, and that's what marked David apart from Saul. These two men were obedient. I want to encourage you men to be obedient to the Lord. Do the right things. Read the Word of God. Know what it says. Do it. Even when it doesn't feel right, even when you don't want to do it, be obedient to the Lord. Ladies, the same thing. Be obedient to the Lord. Amen? Let's stand. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for this chapter, Lord. Um, You certainly don't need the fancy, Lord. You've always chosen to deliver, Lord, by few. You've always seemed to have chosen the very thing that nobody else wants, that the world sees as refuse. And, Lord, those are the ones you set on high places. Lord, you don't care about any of those things. And, Lord, that means that I can qualify to be your servant because I'm nobody. And, Lord, perhaps all of us in this room, if we were honest, we could say, Lord, we're nobody, but we're, some, we're somebody in your sight. And so, Lord, thank you for loving us, and thank you for the example of these people in the, in the, in the Bible, history, real people. And, Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to love you, God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.